Mino Lion Media presents the Safe Conversations with Kevin Waits podcast. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Kevin Waits again, and I'd like to welcome you to a new episode of Safe Conversations with Kevin Waits, where we really unpack our bags and we sit around and we talk about our differences to somehow try to find a way to move forward together, because that's what humanity is all about. It's not about one group or a different group, or it's about all of us. And the only way that we can survive and move forward is together. And we have to communicate. So just because I always remind you, just because it's called safe conversations, don't think we have soft conversations. We really dig in and sit around the campfire and unpack. I'd like to thank all of our listeners across the country and across the globe. We have we have listeners in other countries. And uh, like I always say, as long as you keep listening, me and my guests are going to keep talking. And so... I'm extremely excited this evening to invite, not just a guest, but a friend uh, to the platform that I am very proud to know, uh, very proud to be a, 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 a brother to. Uh, and so Ashley Nelson, I love, I like, I'm happy you're here. Welcome to Safe Conversations. Hey, Kevin, I'm delighted to be here. You have certainly pulled me out of my comfort zone, but for you, I am happy to record today's podcast and share what I hope to be a safe but fun conversation. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're going to take care of you. So if you want, Ashley, start off just by telling us a little bit about yourself, your background, your family, your education, your career, everything you think we need to know about Ashley Nelson. Sure. I am the oldest daughter of Gary and Doris Nelson. I am a proud Polly's Island native and a graduate of Waccamaw High School. After Waccamaw, I left and went to Winthrop University, um, honestly against my will, because I really didn't want to go there, but um, Winthrop was truly one of the most pivotal parts of my life. Um, I got my degree in marketing communications from Winthrop in 2006. And shortly after graduating, I went to Columbia to start my career at Verizon Wireless um, and stayed there for seven and a half years and probably midway during my time at Verizon, I realized that being fulfilled and making a difference was huge for me. And although I made sure people kept their phone on and I saw some issues for people with their cell phone, that just wasn't enough. So in 2014, I took a leap of faith and did what I thought I would never do and come back home. And I came back to Polly's to take a job at the Francis P. Bunnell Foundation. And in 2014, it was just that it was a job. Um, it was a complete transition from where I was. Um, but in some ways, it was also a challenge for me. And here, nine years later, it has transitioned from being a job to being a career, being an opportunity for me to fulfill my purpose. And in January, I became the senior director at the Bunnell Foundation. Um, and it is one of the most exciting parts of my life, being able to make a difference in the community that I grew up in. Um, and I'm also a mommy. I have a five-year-old daughter named Aubrey, who is my world. She's my reason, my why. Um, she's why I'm here. Wow. That's awesome. I appreciate you sharing all that. Um, you said something that kind of that kind of poked me. You said when you first went to, you left Verizon, you left Columbia, and you came back home, 
you took a job at the Francis P. Bunnell Foundation and you said it was just a job. And, you know, that poked me because I remember when I first got out of the United States uh, Army and I took a job in law enforcement. And honestly, Ashley, it was just a job. It it wasn't, I wasn't a kid that, you know, as a child had police cars and, and, and dressed up like a police officer and said, hey, I'm going to be a police officer when I grow That was never, ever my plan. You know, when initially when I went to college, I, I, I uh, was involved and, and wanted to major in uh, broadcasting, communications. I wanted to work for BET or ESPN, love sports, and still love sports to this day, but it was really just, it was a job, you know what I'm saying? I had a young family and just like you, it, it really, for me, it was just, okay, let me go to training, let me go to work, <laughs> you know, let me give me my check, let me, but you know what? The funny thing is, and I want you to elaborate, I want you to talk about at what point did it, for you, did it change? You know what I'm saying? Did it just go from being a job to, to being, okay, I'm on to something here. Because for me, it took about three years. You know, it was, and, and, and I tell you, I, you know, I'm totally transparent about my career. And first three years, it was, okay, lock up the bad guy. That's it. Go to work, lock up the bad guy, go home. You know, and... Law enforcement is so much more, but I, I didn't know. And then I started to see the nasty cycle, you know what I'm saying, of poverty, the nasty cycle of uh, drug abuse, the nasty cycle of domestic violence over and over and over. And then it started to weigh in on me. And and, and I remember having a conversation with uh, Sheriff Cribb, who's passed away. And I said, Sheriff, we're not doing enough. And he says, well, what do you mean? I, says, I, I said, I just don't feel like we're doing enough. I feel like we can do more to help the community. I feel like we are, um, you know, reactive and we're not proactive. And I remember we worked, uh, I don't know if you remember this, but you remember the first time uh, Georgetown had the red ribbon Say No to Drugs parade? Remember that? Uh, I don't think so. Yeah, it left French Street and went down to East Bay Park, but it was like a big uh, festival. But but it kind of mm -hmm. came from the conversation that we had that day about, hey, I know we can do more. So right. from your viewpoint, when did it change? When did it turn from just a job to your passion? I think, you know, initially it was, the whole transition piece. I had to understand a whole new line of work and it was a totally different environment. And then it's this whole notion of coming home mm -hmm. and having to deal with the the antics of being at home because it, it, coming back home can, can present its share of challenges. But again, I mentioned um, I have a five-year-old. So it was probably a, at the point where I, one, I became a mom. And so then I realized that my purpose was a lot greater in general. And then I realized that I don't necessarily just sit in the room for me. And mm. I've had the privilege to be able to sit in a lot of powerful rooms. And I had to 
move my I had to I had to shift my mindset honestly mm-hmm. and I had to shift yeah. from a place of one I'm in this room yes I'm physically in this room but I represent so many other people in this room yeah. and it was at that moment that I started to say okay since I'm gonna be in this room and I can represent other people in this room what can I take from this experience and this opportunity to make a difference in my community and yeah. I, you know, I pride myself at trying to be a voice for those who don't feel like they necessarily have a voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it's, you know, even when you, when you realize that what you're doing, and I'm talking from experience, just like you, when you realize what you're doing is bigger than you, you know what I'm saying? It, it really takes on a, a whole life uh of its own, you know, and it, you know, sometimes I talk to young people and I'm like, Hey, because, you know, would you agree that young people today are a lot different than they were 20 years ago? Totally different. Yeah. And so you, young people that you had, you got to tell them why you got to tell them mm-hmm. why, you know? And so as I talk to young people, Hey, you need to stay in what school. You, you need to, you need to do this. You need to do that. You know, and, and and the question is why? And you said it because, and I tell them, because people are dependent on you. It's not just about you. You got a whole community cheering you on. You got a whole family, a whole network of people, a whole village that wants you to succeed. So, you know, once we realize that it's not just about us, again, you know, life, our careers, our passions, edu- whatever it is, takes on an entirely, uh, totally different uh, life of its own. So, Ashley, up until this point, is it safe to say that you've had a successful career with the Bunnell Foundation? It is very safe to say that, yes. I have had a very successful career okay. um, as a part of Team Bunnell. So what do you what do you attribute your success to? Um, I think it's a, a combination of things. And... You know, a part of it is because I'm passionate about it. And so there's always an opportunity to make a difference. And there's always an opportunity to have an impact on um, someone's life. And Gilles, who is executive director at Bunnell, has been pretty open when I've gone to her with ideas or things that I want to perhaps um, bring to the table at the foundation. Um, And another part of it is, for the most part, I've been pretty open about wanting to, you know, actually go out in the community and talk to the people. What, what do the people need? What do the people want? I don't, I don't believe in doing things to people. I think you have to do things with people. And sometimes people, people are more open to work with you when they understand that you're working alongside them. So rather it's, Hey, let's go to the let's go to the church and have a forum so that we can gather the people who may not necessarily come to the Bunnell office to listen to the same talk. Let's go to the community and let's be a part of the community. Let's have those conversations. You know, I'm pretty open and people sometimes call me on the weekends or I might see somebody in the store. Hey, I've got an idea. I want to run it past you. You know, I think having that openness and letting people know that regardless of the title, regardless of the position, I may not have the answer. I may not always be able to fund your project, 
but I also I always have an ear and if I can listen and be able to point you in the right direction I think that that has been a major part of um, the success for me in this role that's awesome can you can you can you touch on um, two things for me uh, number one, can you talk about, we, we've talked a lot about the Francis P. Pinnell Foundation, and, and I know what it is, but you know, we have listeners uh, from across the country and across the world. Can you, number one, explain a little bit about uh, what your foundation is all about and how it came about? And number two, um, <clears throat> you, you, you made a comment, you said people are more open when you're not trying to do something to them, but you're doing something with them. The second part of my question is, is how can that model help us across this country and across the globe? All right. So I know that was a lot. I know that was a lot. I was about to say, I know I'm still somewhat young, so I'm going to take part one. Okay, part one. And then I'm going to ask you to give me part two again. That's fine. um, That's fine. All right. So the Bunnell Foundation um, is actually located in Pauley's Island, South Carolina, but the foundation itself serves Georgetown County. Um, the foundation was created in the year 2000 um, with a gift from Mrs. Frances P. Bunnell. And our mission at the foundation is to improve the quality of life for Georgetown County residents. Um, and we do that through five focus areas. So. Um, when nonprofits apply to us for grant funding, they apply in the focus areas of meeting basic human needs, addressing the root causes of poverty, preserving the environment, promoting economic vitality, and encouraging positive youth development. Um, and we do that a number of ways. Yes, we provide grant funding to um, nonprofit organizations. But we also provide capacity building support to those nonprofits. We pride ourselves in um, free training sessions for our nonprofits. And we really do work hard to help build community. And kind of goes back to what I said in my previous, um, in answering the previous question about listening. It's just very important to listen to the needs of the community. And granted, we can't fund everything in Georgetown County. We can't fix everything in Georgetown County. but we consider ourselves a safe space. So listening and learning from local nonprofits and other partners in our community is what we hope will help us to move Georgetown County to the next level. Um, We have been the hosts for Palmetto Giving Day, which is a large fundraising opportunity for nonprofits. We just raised over $3.5 million in 36 hours in May. One of my babies, it's a project I stuck that I started um, when I started at Bunnell back in 2014, and it has just grown over the years. It truly embodies what community is and to see our community come together, a small town of 64,000 people um, working with our nonprofits to raise 3.5 million in a day and a half is pretty incredible. It is. So you're ready for part two? Uh, yes, I'm ready for part two. <laughs> so part two, <laughs> that is amazing. That to, you said 3.5 million in 36 hours. Yes, sir. You know, but you know what, though? What's so crazy, Ashley, is there is, honestly, there is nothing 
that we can't do when we work together. I believe there, there is there is really nothing. But so many times we stunt our growth because uh, so-and-so rubbed me wrong or uh, I don't feel them or I don't like who they like or they're a Republican and I'm a Democrat. You know what I'm saying? So many times mm -hmm. we stunt our growth over stuff. You know what I'm saying? And, and where we need to just sit down and just talk and work it out. I mean, just stay at the table. Don't get mad. I, get mad, but don't leave the table. You see what I'm saying? Right. Mm -hmm. um, there's nothing we can't do. But getting back to the second part of the question. The second part is the model that you spoke of when you said people are more open when you don't talk to them or do something to them but you, you, you do something with them. How do you think that model or that type of philosophy can help us across the country and across the globe? Is it that simple? Do we overcomplicate things? Um, yes, I think to some extent we do, um, we do overcomplicate things. And Kind of what you said, you know, we let politics get in the way. We let race get in the way. We let gender get it. We let, we let the thing get in the way. And that thing is different for everybody and every group. But the things hold us back. And when we get to the root of it, if we got past whatever that thing is that holds us back and what keeps us from getting to the table, we'd find out that we have so much more in common than we think. If yeah. we just, but we've got to, we have to get past that thing. And sometimes we, we don't even want to get past the thing. You know, we, as, that's almost like the excuse of, hey, I don't really have to talk to Kevin because he's from that side. He's from that side of the track. Right. But when you get to the bottom of it, Kevin and I like the same football team. We might eat the same food yeah. and we have so much more in common. Um, I shared the story at work. Um, months ago and again I, I talk about my daughter who is definitely my why and I remember dropping her off at school one morning and I'm trying to get through the line so other parents could come in but when I looked back and saw my daughter walking into school uh, my daughter Aubrey was in the middle to the left of Aubrey was her friend Isabella who's Hispanic to the right of Aubrey was her friend Madeline who was white Mm -hmm. And the three of them could care less about any of those things. They just knew that they were friends and that was their commonality. And they walked in school and they held hands and they still, they are still friends. Um, and the things that again would possibly hold us as adults back, that's not even on their minds. And, you know, I, I try to go back to that thought, even if I'm troubled with, looking past something with somebody mm -hmm. if i just embodied the mind of the of a five-year-old who doesn't see the things that might stop a potential good conversation or relationship yeah. and just learn to work together just how much more beautiful our community could be yep you're right but you know sadly enough it's it's, it's like where uh when we do come together it's forced right either it's an it's an event like the, the events you you mentioned where, you know, the, the 3.5 was raised, but in, you know, in some cases is crisis or chaos, you know what I'm saying? A storm's coming or something really, really bad happens. And, you know, people forget about 
the foolishness and, and they really focus on humanity. But then when everybody's emotions calm down and the trauma kind of goes away, we kind of go back to our respective corners. So I just hope one day that we can find a way to, to, to just to stick together every day, because I know uh, we, we can do great things as a nation, as a globe. Uh, I just believe it can happen. Call me corny, but I believe it can happen. So Ashley, how has being an African-American woman impacted your career? An interesting question. Um, you know, I think philanthropy, philanthropy for, for African-American women isn't much of a surprise, I guess. It's almost like a, a safe haven. You find, one, you find a lot of women who work in the field of philanthropy. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, being being an African-American woman, I think in any professional career presents its share of challenges. And, you know, my dad told me early on in my career, one of the biggest threats to a lot of people in society is an educated black woman. Yeah. And people are gonna challenge you sometimes just because of that. Um, and I remember early on in my career at Bunnell, I was the voice on the phone. And if you hear the name Ashley Nelson, you might not necessarily think that I'm a woman of color. Right. So, you know, you'd hear the conversations on the phone and then I would see people come to the office and I could actually see the look on their face like, oh, <laughs> surprise. I think that was you that was on the other end of the phone. <laughs> ah, that's funny. That is <laughs> and funny. I used to take offense to it. I, I got very upset, like, yeah. hey, you don't think I deserve to be here? And to some extent, yeah. you know, I think when you when you ask me the question about purpose, mm -hmm. I think thing, you know, situations like that. Yeah. kind of stunned me from being able to even see my purpose because again I was, was so defensive trying to defend why I deserve to be where I am um, and eventually I had to just get past that right. and understand that my purpose was a whole lot greater and I got a whole lot more work to do That's than right. to worry about defending why I deserve to be here and I really don't owe that explanation to anybody why I deserve to be here I'm here because that's where God wanted me to be and I'm gonna fulfill my purpose while I'm here. Yeah. Yeah. But that's not easy, right? I mean, we all know, you know, that, that takes growth, that takes prayer, it takes encouragement from the people in your in your circle. Um, because I think we've all uh at some point or another suffered from the imposter syndrome and wondered, okay, I'm here, can I really do this? Do I really belong? Can I really, you know what I'm saying? I mean, so kudos, kudos to you on that. Just getting to the point, yeah, where, it, you know, it takes growth, it takes growth. And it's tough. Yeah. And it's, you know, it, sometimes it rears its ugly head every now and again. And you just have to reaffirm yourself and kind of look at the work and look at the need yeah. and try to work past those things. Because I don't think that's, that's ever going to go away, unfortunately. Right. Um, I think as a society, we might get better but I think it will always present a challenge. I agree. I agree. Do you feel that you, you've been uh, on the same playing field as men or other people of privilege, privilege in your industry? Um, no. Okay. Um, you know, 
I don't think women in general, I don't think we've reached that place where we are seen as equal in the workforce as men. You know, we have to, we have to work harder at it. Yeah. Um, there's still disparities in, I mean, we might be doing the same job, but a man may make more at right. doing that same job just because he is a man. So I think to some extent, as a woman, you still have to, to prove yourself. Mm-hmm. As an African-American woman, you got to prove yourself even more. But I, I think we are making strides. we got a long way to go. Um, but I think it's important now yeah. for my generation and generations behind me to make it better for my daughter and her generation when she comes along. And as you mentioned earlier, you know, that's the generation that's going to ask why. That's right. So if the strides haven't been made, they're certainly going to question it a whole lot more than I think my generation and certainly those before me have. Yeah, you're right. Does being a single mom with everything you got to do sometimes, you know, and having a a great career, uh, does it sometimes get hard? Oh, yes, it does. It's the hardest job that I have ever had. <laughs> but the most rewarding, right? <laughs> Definitely the most rewarding. Um, it's challenging because it, it doesn't come with a book. Mm. It doesn't come with a set of rules. And you got to approach it every day with a clear and open mind. Yeah. And you got to face those challenges. It's, it's not like, hey, I can sit this on the shelf and we'll work through it tomorrow. Little people want their answers right then and there. That's and yeah. um, I don't always get it right. But one of the things that I often thank my daughter for is grace mm. and being a mom and for loving me through the mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. And accepting me through the mistakes. Um, society in the world is pretty cruel. And the mistakes that I've made in parenthood probably would not get the grace that it, she gives me at five, so I'm most appreciative for that. But it is certainly a very challenging, but the most rewarding job I've ever had. Yeah, and these kids are so, so smart. You know, my, mm-hmm. my granddaughter is about the same age, and my daughter Jasmine was telling me about a situation they had, and uh, you know, my granddaughter was kind of borderline mean, you know, and but she had enough sense to come back and say, "Ma, I'm sorry." You know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah. these kids are so they 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 got it going on. They are so scary smart, scary smart. So working in the nonprofit industry, mm-hmm. what do you see as the top three things that are keeping our communities from across the country and globally from moving forward together? Top three things. Um, ooh, that's tough. Top three things that are keeping us from moving forward. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things was one of the things we just talked about, and that, that's seeing past our differences. Okay. Um, and, you know, this thing of the have and the have nots. Mm. I'm, I'm going to get, I'm going to get me and say, hey, it's up to you if, if, if you get you. So seeing past our differences, that distinct line of have versus have nots. Um, and I'd probably say uh, being reluctant to change. This is the way we've always done it. So, hey, let's, you know, and if that works for, if that works for you, then that's fine. But when it doesn't work for somebody else, being open to, to change, you know, I think the, the pandemic has kind of helped ease that because it forced our hand at 
changing things to some extent. Um, You're right. But yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> those that were reluctant to technology, hey, you, there you had no choice. Listen, um, and I'm laughing because uh, I don't know if you remember this. I don't know if you remember this. This is a few years ago. Um, we were talking and you said, well, Kevin, um, we're having a, I think it might have been a nonprofit summit or something. And you said, um, can you do uh, a presentation for us virtually? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was like, nah, I ain't doing that. <laughs> you remember that? Yep. <laughs> I was like, nah, uh-uh. Nah, I need to be it. in the room with the people. I need That's to... right. That's yep. what I said. You remember that? I said, nah, man. Mm -hmm. I can't see them. I can't feel them. I said, Ashley, nah, I ain't not. Nope. <laughs> and you said, can you just try? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and I did, and I've been doing it ever since. Best thing since sliced bread. You know what I'm saying? It's not for me. It's, it's not the same as being in the room, but you can still be effective and still have an impact using technology. So, uh, I, Hey, I appreciate you pushing me out my, um, comfort zone and, and, and doing something different. Well, I appreciate you for even agreeing because that, that opened the door for, for other opportunities and you became one of our favorite and proudest um, virtual presenters. And, we, you know, we had to apply, we had to plow through that together. Right. Um, you know, I'm an introvert, so that, that was kind of like right up my alley. Hey, yeah, I can do virtual. But after doing it for so long you and going back to being a person, of course, you see the value in it. But as you said, there, there are value in situations, there's great value in a virtual space. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So what advice would you give to a single mom who has career aspirations, but may be hesitant to really step out and go for it? Using the words of Nike, just do it. Just do it. Um, especially if your child or your children are your why. Mm -hmm. They look up to you more than you know. And, you know, as my daughter grows up, she's going to meet countless people. But regardless of how long her list of influ positive influence grows, I pray that mommy is always on her list. And creating that path for them and showing that, you know, regardless of, of what mommy may have going on, she still made a way. She still persevered. She still pushed to reach her dreams. Your child seeing that in you sparks a fire in them to do the same and to even exceed because I want my daughter to be greater than me. And I'm certain, you know, most parents want that for their children. Yeah. So, you know, if there, there's not a dream that's too big, if it's in your heart, if that's your passion, don't let the stigma of single motherhood stop you from doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Our, our children, our children are our world and our children are, well, for me, my daughter is my why. Mm -hmm. And so I go hard for me, but I go even harder for her. You know, I, um, <laughs> I accepted um, the position on planning commission and talking to a few people. They said, you know, I never thought that you would do planning commission. Like I never thought that that was you. And I said, well, a lot of what I, a lot of what I'm challenging myself to do is to do things that will allow me to make an impact for a greater future for my daughter. Mm 
And so being on planning commission was a learning curve and has been a learning curve for me, but I work at it. And I, again, I'm, a, I'm allowing myself to be in a room to make a difference for somebody that's not there. And I want my daughter to see that. And I hope that the, the decisions that I make and the things that I learn, not, on, not just on planning commission, but in any room that I'm in mm -hmm. is gonna create a path for her years down the line. She can look back and say, my mommy did this for me. So if it's in your heart and that's what you want to do, don't let, again, don't let single motherhood stop you. Go right. and do it and you will be greater for it and your children will be even greater for it in the end. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Man. And, and uh, I mean, you nailed it. Uh, and the thing about you, Ashley, is you're not just talking. You know, I mean, everything you said is true, but you know, I, I I watch you. I've been around you. You know what I'm saying? We've been in the same community and, you know, you, you're doing it. You're not just talking. I mean, you, you handle it and you do it with grace. Um, I even heard uh, the little lady come in the background while we was recording. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. You didn't, your voice, the tone of your voice didn't change, didn't go up, didn't go down. But I know you kind of maybe did some sign languages. Girl, you better <laughs> You know what I'm saying? I mean, but you handle it with grace. And so I'm proud to be associated with you. Right? I hear you, little lady. Um, uh, come on and tell us hi. Tell us good evening. Tell us good evening. You want to say hi? Say hi, everybody. She first wants to know who it is. Mommy's yeah. doing an interview. You want to tell the audience hi? Yeah. Say hi. <laughs> But yeah, she shyly said hi. That's all right. Yeah, thank you. Hey, but you handle it with grace. Hey, I hear you. I hear you. How you doing? They want to know how you doing, Aubrey. Good. Aubrey, she is that. doing good. Yeah, but you handle it with grace, and I'm proud of you, Ashley Nelson, because you know, uh, you know, whenever I get a chance to talk to parents and encourage them, I always say three things your kids need from you. They need you to show up, and you do that for your baby girl. I know you do. Uh, they need you to encourage them. They need you to, you know, tell them that they're beautiful. Tell them that they're smart. Tell them that they can do anything they want to do. Tell them that the sky is not the limit. And I know you do that. And most importantly, they don't need you to tell them. They need you to show them. And I know for a fact that you show your daughter how to work hard, how to handle yourself with grace, how to treat people, all people. Uh, and, and and just how to overall be a good person. So I'm I'm proud of you um, in the work you do, not so much with the Benell Foundation, but the work you do after hours as, as being a mom. I really am proud of you because, again, um, you know, there are so many young girls, young women out there that look at you, whether you realize it or not. They look at you and, and they set and, and you set the bar for them. So I appreciate everything you do. And um would you come back sometime and, and, and chop it up with me again? Absolutely. Cool, cool. If anybody wanted to get in contact with you, um, you know, to maybe, want, you know, get you to be a guest speaker at their event, or even to find out more about the Bunnell Foundation, how can they reach out to you? Sure. You can certainly email me. My email address is anelson at Bunnell. That's B-U-N-N-E-L-L-E dot -L -L -E org. Or call me 843-972-9384. I would love to have a conversation. And again, 
if all I can do is be a listening ear and give an idea or a suggestion, I'm happy to do so. All right. Well, we thank you so much. And uh, once again, everybody, we you you you've listened to a new episode of Safe Conversations. We're so happy. Uh, we had a great time talking to Ashley Nelson, my good friend. And so until the next time, peace. The Safe Conversations with Kevin Waits podcast is hosted and produced by Kevin Waits. Executive producer, Ken Johnson. Find the Safe Conversations with Kevin Waits podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Odyssey, Amazon Music, or where you get your podcasts. Find Kevin Waits on Facebook at Kevin Waits and join the Safe Conversations group. Follow the Mino Line Media Podcast Network on IG at Mino Line Media. Get the Mino Line Media app in the App Store or Google Play. The Safe Conversations with Kevin Waits podcast is a Mean Old Line Media production.